0: It's really nice. Really nice to hear all that chatter. Uh, warmth, friendship, greetings, fellowship. Good to have you here this morning. Um, you, you, does anybody have a little bit of dust on you today or anything like that? You know, what we're doing as a church is we're embracing the, the brokenness of everything in the world. Including this place right now. But we're under reconstruction, so that's really good. And I think our, actually our hearts and our souls are also under reconstruction. We're inviting the Lord to uh, continue to take out, pull out the things that aren't very honoring to him. And to put in the things that are honoring to him. So we're all under reconstruction. Is that okay? If we can make that clear at this time. Um, so this is the 15th. I think that means that it's 10 days till christmas and i think it also means that the next time we see you next sunday we'll have passed through the shortest day of the year and the light is going to start to continue to increase after that which is going to be nice um and actually as we light these candles sunday by sunday this the symbolism of this is actually very very powerful when you think about we had the candle of hope and the candle of peace and now the candle of joy today That week by week the light is growing stronger and the symbol is that the light really has come into the world into a world of darkness and the light of Christ is shining for all to see which is really lovely so next week we'll light the fourth candle and then on Christmas Eve we'll light the Christ candle which is right in the middle here and we'll be celebrating Christ has come Jesus has come So, I've been enjoying, uh, Ruth and I have been enjoying this little booklet. There's still some on the back table here. It's an Advent booklet that was written and published here locally uh, for Forest View, by Forest View people, and uh, I'm very thankful for this. It's been, it's good. It's a good thing to be uh, reading this and and so on. And it's helpful for families too, I think, to have a thing to read each day, a bit of scripture along the way, and some writings that people have done um, from within the, from within the congregation here. So I'm thankful for those who've put it together and for those of you who are um, reading it week by week. It's great. So, um, joy. Today, we're considering joy. And as I was thinking about this, it occurred to me that joy is part of a package. And that when we go looking for joy, I want joy, entertain me, make me feel better, give me joy. We never find it. Have you noticed that? The pursuit of joy doesn't actually find joy. But when we have a pursuit of something else, like the pursuit of Christ in our life, joy comes as a byproduct. The sense of joy in our hearts is a powerful thing that Jesus gives as we pursue him. So, I don't know about you, but that may uh, sound like Uh, foreign thinking. To some people in our world, I'm sure that it does. And I remember a few years ago, I read a book that um, helped me quite a lot. It talked about um, in our scientific age that our talk of Christ and God and uh, so on does not make sense to a lot of people who've been bathed in a certain story or a certain worldview, or a certain paradigm of looking at the world. And what this author said was that in North America, at least, there are two major worldviews at this time, or two stories that we find ourselves in. And the first story goes like this Once upon a time, the universe banged into being for no reason, for no purpose, and with nobody behind it, and someday the whole universe will run out of energy, and then all will end, and there'll be no one left to remember that we even existed, and in the meantime, we live, we die, uh, we work, we marry or we don't marry, we have kids or we don't have kids, and eventually um, we die, and that's about it. And, you know, I was a science teacher for 12 years, and I'm afraid that that is what is being taught in a lot of our schools, that there is no God. And I'm not, this is not the creation-evolution argument. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, is there anyone behind the way the world has grown and developed? The, The world that we have just now. So story number one is about that There's nobody behind the universe as we see it. Story number two is quite different. It begins with the creator. It begins with God who designs the universe and who brings it about, who causes everything to happen, and who loves everything that, that the creator has made, especially, somehow or other, human beings on this little bluish-green planet that God loves men and women, just like us here. And the Creator reached out in many ways to the people on this planet, but basically our arms were sort of folded. We weren't much interested in Him. So what He did was He came here. He came here. And He lived his life in an incredibly wonderful way. He reached out to all people, great and small, whatever color, whatever language, whatever background. He reached out to all, seeking relationship. And he still comes seeking relationship. And he promises that those who believe in him and begin to follow him find a new kind of life right here on the planet. And as a huge, huge bonus, find eternal life when we die, to live with him forever in a much better place, which we call heaven. Now, these two stories are really different, would you say? And at least one of them has to be false. They can't both be true. You still with me here? At least one of them has to be false. So if story two is false about the creator and his son coming here and giving life and this kind of thing... If story two is false, then the way we live our lives doesn't really matter. Really, we're just an accidental meeting of a sperm and an egg. And we're going to live for a while, and we're going to die, and that's all there is. And when you die, not only can you not take it with you, there's no place that you'd be going, and there's no you to go there anyway if story two is false. But if story two is true, that changes everything about the Creator and His Son coming here to give His life and to give us life. There is a God, if story two is true. There is a God who gives us life and who wants to relate to us and wants to know us and wants to give us the kind of joy and life that he had planned all the way along. Jesus is this centerpiece of all of life. He's the God who's come in the flesh to win us, to bring us into his family. So what if in broad outline, what I've just told you about story one and story two, this story two about creator God actually describes the situation of life as it really is. I'm not just asking you to pretend that story two is true. Sometimes people think, you know, people just like to follow Christianity because it makes them feel better, or maybe they think that when they die, they're going to go to heaven, or it's a comfortable thing when somebody dies. I'm not asking you to pretend that this is true, but to consider what if this is actually really Accurately, substantially, profoundly, powerfully, definitely, factually, fully, finally true. There is a Creator God who has come here to our planet and has come to give us life. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time, isn't it? This is the meaning of Christmas. And so we've been reading here in this about uh, joy. If you were to read the reading for today, written by Craig Featherstone, thank you, Craig. Part of this is, so how does this work about joy coming into our life? How does the birth of Jesus fill us with great joy? Well, perhaps by reminding us first and foremost that joy comes to us as a gift, a grace, rather than something that we pursue and grasp all our chasing of joy simply leaves us tired, disillusioned, and cynical. This joy comes to us as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But that's just the beginning, because ultimately the birth of Jesus is the inbreaking of God into our world, reminding us that God is truly and forever for us, reminding us that God is with us that God is, acts faithfully regardless of our circumstances, that God will never leave us alone. You see, the incarnation of God is the proof that God acts in surprising ways, that God is not aloof or distant, but instead he continually moves into our neighborhood to meet us where we are and as we are. The beautiful news of God caring about this planet and all the people on this planet and calling us to come to know him. This morning what I've done is I've chosen to go to the book of Isaiah and to see a prophecy that was made about Jesus 700 years before he was even born. When you think about this, when you think about all the miraculous things that happened about God becoming flesh and living among us, this has got to be one of the miraculous things, that 700 years before Jesus came, this prophecy was written and spoken. And uh, I don't know if any of of you are even close to 700 years. Oh, like, do you have any idea how long 700 years is? It's a long, long time to speak so accurately about something coming in the future. So I'd like us to read this. We're going to imagine a new kingdom of joy because the child is born. So here, I'm going to ask you to stand again, please. And I know I apologize to you people on this side who have to crank your neck so hard to see this up here. But this is Isaiah writing 700 years before Jesus. Let's read it together, shall we? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Lord, we thank you for this text of Scripture that you have spoken through your prophet Isaiah. Would you open our eyes now and help us to see the wonderful things that are in your word. We believe we're in your presence right now. We've gathered together in the name of Jesus. We ask you to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Thanks to George Friedrich Handel. Probably many of you were singing a little bit as we listened to this this morning. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Um, But do we hear what we're really singing? Really hear. It says, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. The key word, the pivotal word in this passage that we've just read is this word, for. Um, A more helpful translation of that word would be because. Because unto us a child is born. It's because the child is born that all these beautiful things in the passage can happen. When we read this text, we remember that it was first spoken to a particular group of people at a particular place in a particular time. 700 years before Christ, Isaiah prophesied this event, which will impact the whole of human history for all time. And when it was first spoken, it was spoken to the people of Israel in the Middle East, And in fact, at that time, there was a mighty army. The army of Assyria was right on their doorstep. The people were extremely afraid. And they had a very good objective reason to be afraid because the mighty power of Assyria, which was dominant at that time... um, this huge political power had been gobbling up all the other smaller nations all around it and had come right to the doorstep of Israel. In fact, in 734 BC, their troops came into Palestine. In 732 BC, a couple of years later, they conquered Syria and they came right up to the Golan Heights. Now, I know some of you have been in Israel and you've stood on the Golan Heights and you've looked right over the Sea of Galilee like that. Right there on the doorstep. And then in 722 BC, they completely destroyed the north part of Israel. And now they were approaching Jerusalem in the south. Do you wonder why the people were frightened? And even as Isaiah spoke, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The people could almost hear the boots of the advancing soldiers And could almost see the garments that were rolled in blood from their conquering of all those other nations. Darkness was descending, gloom was rising. Have you you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that life was closing in and ready to engulf you? Have you ever felt like everything's just about ready to collapse? The king at this time, he was afraid. All the people were afraid because everything was collapsing around them. Who were they in comparison to this crushing force that was coming from outside? Then comes the word of the Lord. Do not be afraid. Why? Because Yahweh, God, almighty God, the Lord of hosts, the commander of the Lord's army, he will do four things. And these are the four promises that are in the passage that we just read. First of all, light. God will cause light to shine in the darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Can you feel the deep darkness that these people were feeling, knowing they were about to get conquered? The second beautiful promise is that God himself will cause joy to spring up in the midst of their sorrow. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. There's a third promise, and that is that God himself will break the yoke of oppression and will bring freedom and justice. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And the final promise is this that God himself will burn up the instruments of war and will bring peace. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And why would this happen? Why could these four promises actually happen? Because the child is born. That's what the scripture says. It's not because the king of Israel has a great battle plan or because they can call on an ally to come in and deliver them, but it's because a child is born and a son is given. It's absolutely because of the child. God speaks words of hope do not fear. Don't look to your own army for security and don't call on other allies. It's God who says, instead, look to the child. The ground of hope is the child. The child is the one who brings light and joy and peace, who brings hope and peace and joy into our lives. Now, I think any time a child is born, our spirits are lifted. Isn't that true? I remember when Ruth and I had our first little baby, we were living in Ghana in West Africa, And we had our little baby in a little hospital out in the middle of this huge rainforest. And um, after 21 hours of labor... Sorry, Ruth. uh, (laughs) We finally had this little baby born. And when she popped out, the doctor said, Do you know what? It's a miracle every time. And it is. It's a wonderful miracle. But Isaiah is speaking about not just this, but um, he's speaking about a very special child who's born and who's given. When we think of the verbs that are used here, born suggests natural birth, a real human being coming into the world. But given suggests something else. A child is given, suggests something unique. Given by whom? Suggests a special act by Creator God. And here's the major point of Isaiah 9, that when the child is born and the Son is given, these four great promises can begin to be fulfilled. When the child is born, light will shine in darkness, joy can break into our lives, whatever gloom or sorrow we're in the midst of, freedom from oppression can come to us, and peace can come into our personal lives. So the question then is, who's the child and who is the son? Unless he's born, the four promises cannot be realized. Well, look at the names that are given to the child. Could could ever a mere human live up to these kind of terms? First of all, wonderful or wonderful counselor. Wonderful is a, you, a word that Isaiah only uses to refer to Almighty God. And what he means is that when you look at him, you're, you're filled with wonder. You're filled with awe. Sort of like the first time you see the Rocky Mountains, your mouth kind of drops open. You go, oh, amazing. So this coming of this child fills us with wonder and awe. Wonderful, also that he's counselor, a wonderful counselor, someone who we can turn to for wisdom. This wonderful counselor embodies insight and discernment and wisdom and shows us the right way to live, to find the best life that God has for us. He leads us into the very counsel of the living God, wonderful counselor, also mighty God. Wait a minute, the term that Isaiah uses here, he only uses of the living God. How can this little baby that's coming, this child that's born, how can this be the mighty God, the hero, the champion, the strong one? This child will possess the very strength of God and be a deliverer, mighty God. It sounds like God himself is coming into the world. If you can put yourself in the the shoes of these people 700 years before Jesus to say, what could God be coming into the world? He's called Everlasting Father, literally the Father of all eternity. So he's the same yesterday and today and forever. This one is coming into the world in this little baby, in this little child. The one who is the source of life will be born as a little baby. A child will be born. Do you feel the paradox of this? And finally, he's called the Prince of Peace, the ruler of shalom. The powerful Hebrew word, Paul helped us think about this last week. Peace, shalom, the goodness of God coming into our lives, taking the pieces of our lives, and putting them together into a whole. It's wholeness, it's health, it's well-being. Primarily, the Prince of Peace brings us then the presence of God. His love, his glory, his grace, his mercy extended to us. This child brings peace because he is peace. So people waited 700 years and finally, the child was born, and the son is given. Then it happened, Bethlehem of Judea, a time when Caesar Augustus thought that he was ruling the world. In a village under the occupation of foreign forces, the sky is filled with angels, there's an angelic army, and they're singing glory to God in the highest, peace, peace. On earth, Because the child is born, because the son is given, because wonderful is born, counselor is born, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace is born to us. Finally, the son is given. And what a scene it is. Wonderful, lying in a manger, counselor at the mercy of, of sinners and an angry king. Mighty God, coming in as a helpless infant, unable to even feed himself. The father of eternity, held in time by a young virgin. The prince of peace, born into a violent, war-torn part of the world. And do you see what it means? In... In light of Isaiah chapter 9, do you see what Christmas means? The four promises can now be realized for us. Everything promised before can now be experienced. Let's look at them first of all. Light. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light because the child is born. Darkness, my friends, does not have the final say. Jesus is the light of the world. He shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome his light. Never again will the world be in total darkness. Because Jesus is the light. He exposes the lies of Satan. He overcomes illusions. He brings his light into our darkness. He brings the truth of God to us. I know He's done it for me. He's taken me out of a time of darkness and confusion and set me on a path which I'm so thankful for because the child is born. Isaiah's not saying that darkness eventually gives way to light, it's not an automatic evolutionary process. Left to itself, actually, darkness gets darker but it's because the child is born that the light shines. It's because Jesus is who he is that darkness can never extinguish the light again. Joy. Look at this. God makes Jesus' joy spring into our lives even in the midst of disappointment and despair. Because the child is born, sorrow and suffering does not have the final word. Jesus, the joy of God, lifts the heaviness and the disappointment of our lives. Jesus, his presence pushes away the gloom. Now, I know for many of you, this time of year is a very tough time of year. It reminds you again of the losses that have taken place in your life and in our community here at Forest View Church. Sometimes we're filled with sadness. It happens to me too. I encourage you to do what the scripture tells us, what God tells us to do here. To look not at our disappointments, our broken dreams, and our losses, but to look at the child who is given. To look at the son who is born. To look to Jesus. For when we see him, joy begins to break into our gloom. Because Isaiah's not saying that sorrow eventually gives way to joy. It's not an automatic evolutionary thing. Left to itself, sorrow actually gets deeper. But it's because the child is born that joy breaks into our gloom. It's because Jesus is who he is that sorrow can be turned into dancing. Look at the third promise. That's freedom, that God will break the yoke of their burden, and God makes Jesus' freedom break through our addictions. Because the child is born, oppression, bondage, addictions do not have the final word. Jesus, the mighty God, can set you free. How we need this in our time. North America, I believe, Many North Americans, many Canadians are in bondage. Not to a superpower like Assyria, but to a superpower like addiction. Because the child is born, bondage does not have the final word. Because the son is given, addictions can be broken. Jesus is stronger. He can break the power of alcohol addictions, of pornography, of whatever addictions there are. Jesus, the champion, the freedom giver, he can free us from terrible memories of things that have been done to us in the past. He can work that healing. He can free us from the gripping guilt of things that we may have done, sins that we have done. He can free us from bitterness, from self-pity, and from poor self-esteem. He comes to set the captives free. Praise God. Because Isaiah's not saying that bondage eventually gives way to freedom, it's not an automatic evolutionary thing. Left to itself, addiction leads to death. But it's because the child is born, because the son has been given, that freedom comes to us. It's because Jesus is who he is that the chains can fall off. Praise God for this. And finally, his final promise is this promise of peace. Because the child is born, hostility and strife do not have the final word. Jesus breaks hatred and violence, and discrimination. When Jesus walks into the the war-torn parts of our life, he brings genuine peace. I'll never forget the picture of a group of men and women from all over the world, uh, very, very different, different uh, colors, different ethnic backgrounds, different language. some men, some women, uh, some had tattoos and piercings, um, every ethnic background, social status, political preferences. They were all arm in arm with one another around this circle, praying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is our peace. He is the one who brings us together. Isaiah is not saying that hostility eventually dissolves into peace. It's not an automatic evolutionary thing because left to itself, hostility develops into violence. Look at the Middle East and so many other places in our world. But it's because the child is born that peace can happen. It's because Jesus is who he is that peace will overcome. Darkness is strong. But Jesus, the light, is stronger. Sorrow is strong. But Jesus, the joy, is stronger. Bondage is strong. But Jesus, the freedom giver, is stronger. Hostility is strong. But Jesus, our peace, is stronger still. But you may ask, if the child is born... Why do we still have so much darkness and sorrow and bondage and hostility in our world? Why has the grip of addictions seemed to increase rather than decrease? Well, here's the answer. Very simple and I think very, very serious. Jesus comes in where he's invited. He really does. He comes in where he's invited Jesus still works where he's allowed to work. And the light and the joy and the freedom and the peace of Jesus are experienced where he is allowed room to work, where he's invited in. The darkness, the sorrow, the addictions and the hatred of the world do not prove that the child has not come they declare that the child has not been given access to human hearts. We sing the song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. What's the next line? Let every heart receive her King. Has every heart received the King, the Lord Jesus, the child who was born, the son who was given? has every heart in this room opened up fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's when Jesus is allowed in that he comes with his light and his joy and his freedom and his peace. I ask you, is this a wish dream? Is this just naive optimism in the world that we know and live in today? Nope. It's not. Jesus is real. His work is real. The child has been born. The son has been given. And he's Jesus. And his powers are certain. What are you facing this Christmas as we move towards this sacred and wonderful time of year? What lurks at the border of your life and maybe causes you fear or or difficulty? You need to hear Jesus say today, Fear not, for I am with you. The son has been born. The child has been given. Wonderful is here. Counselor's here. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace is here for us. Let every heart prepare him room. Open up to him. Let him in. Invite him into your heart. I was reading this week from Revelation again. I quoted it last week, Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any person hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him or her and sup with him or her. We'll share the intimacies of life together. And in reading that, I noticed that it wasn't given just to an individual. It was given to a church. It's in a letter that's written to one of the churches in Revelation And I'm asking this morning, here's what I think Jesus is saying to us, all of us here together, Forest View Church, are we welcoming Jesus into our personal lives and into our corporate life and allowing him to have every corner of our life given over to him, embracing his lordship, embracing his leadership in everything? so that wherever there are any secret corners that we have, we're praying, Lord Jesus, come in here. Help me deal with this thing. Let's get this thing dealt with, and let me be on your path. And then as a group of people, as a body of believers here, as brothers and sisters in Christ, let us be encouragers of one another as we do this. As we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, encouraging one another, Bold enough to say, look, I'm struggling with something. Would you pray for me? Open enough, transparent enough to help each other walk with Jesus because the son is born, the child is given. He's here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time this morning. We, we thank you that you have come, that this real story we're in Is the story of a wonderful creator who's made our earth and who's made every one of us and who loves us deeply and dearly. And your arms are wide open. Because you came, Lord Jesus, we can have your peace. We can have your life within us. We can have forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we can know your joy, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. I pray this day, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion, and we remember Jesus coming here, the child was born, was given for us, grew up to be a man, lived this impeccable, wonderful life, and died on the cross in order to forgive us all our sins. We pray as a church body that we will welcome you in and invite you in more and more to influence us individually but all of us together as a body here at Forest View that the work that you want to do here in our midst, Lord, will be never hindered but you will have absolute freedom in every one of our lives and in this corporate group called Forest View to shine for you in every way. Set us free, Lord, we pray, to live for you always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask the ushers to come forward and they're gonna share the, uh, the bread and the cup here and as they come, if you would take a piece of bread and hold the cup, I'll come back up in a few minutes and we'll just thank the Lord and we'll eat the bread and drink the cup together, okay? Thank you.